Welcome, everybody, to episode two of the Fire Nuggets podcast. Tonight is April 16th, 2021, and we are psyched to have Jay Bonifield as our guest tonight. The goals here are pretty simple, to bring in great guests and try to mine as much gold as possible from them in about 30 to 40 minutes. So short, sweet, and deep. Unfortunately, Joey couldn't be here tonight, so Jeff and myself will do our best to try not to drop the ball. And our guest tonight, like I said, is Jay Bonifield, the Flobo. Um, and just a brief little intro, then I'll let him kind of fill in the gaps here. But uh, Jay's been on the job for 13 years, currently on Everett Fire Department. Does a lot of work uh, with Brothers in Battle, is, is one of the guys behind West Coast Fire Training. He's all over the Engine Company Resurrection Facebook page. So if you haven't checked that out, please do. And uh, Jay, why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself? Uh, yeah, um, that pretty much kind of sums me up in the fire service. Uh, outside of that, I'm a, uh, a husband and a father. I married my, my uh, high school sweetheart and we got three kids. Uh, my wife is currently at the uh, uh, getting stitches for one of them, uh, our youngest. So uh, yeah, we're, you know, we're doing it. We got a six-year-old, a four-year-old and a Oh, a little over one year old, almost two year old. So we're we're in the thick of it here. Yeah, you got your hands full, man. So Jay, your passion and love for the job, uh, for not only the job, but specifically for the engine is obvious for anyone who's ever been in one of your classes, seen one of your videos, or even ever been in the same room as you. Do you know where this love comes from? Hmm. Um, yeah, so I... I think part of it, I, I don't know, there's, just like anything, there's a lot of different layers to it. I, I think that part of it started out because um, I had no experience in the fire service. And when I started, I had to play catch up uh, with a lot of the guys that I got hired with. Um, and nothing came easy. Uh, you know, and there was like, there was like kind of a, a little bit of a void, like going, going back, um, the fire service, when I started out, it, it became, you know, like uh, another family, which it, it filled a, a void that I, I kind of, um, you know, lost a little bit of when, when I was uh, growing up. And so I, it, it, you know, fulfilled a lot of different or checked a lot of different boxes on a lot of different levels. And then as I'm going through, like, it's extremely challenging, it's physical, it's gritty, it's all, all that kind of stuff. And, um, so it, it kind of ignited a, uh, you know, a, a little bit of a passion early. And one of the things was that I, it, it felt a lot like a lot of the sports, you know, that I played growing up where I was a part of a team and, um, you know, the, basically your level of effort and your level of work, uh, in a bunch of different facets and your training and your film study and your conditioning, all that kind of stuff. Uh, you get to like feel and see the results on, on the field, so to speak. And, um, you know, it just kind of clicked with the, the, the things I was passionate about as a kid and then going on into adulthood. Um, extreme, it's an extremely fulfilling job. And then, um, you know, going as I kind of developed and started honing my interests, engine company stuff definitely became my uh, kind of my, my, my area that I became fascinated with and really that that started uh just 
not because of like a love at first sight sort of a thing. It wasn't like I started doing engine company stuff and I fell in love with it. It was because um, I started looking around to like the firefighters that I saw that were really good, that, that looked like they knew what they were doing. And the vast majority of them weren't like, you know, the, the vast majority of them, basically what made them good or what I could see made them good was that they showed up, they were able to uh, read a building, locate it, confine it and extinguish it really well. And I was like, man, those guys, they look like they know what they're doing. And for me, when I show up on a fire, I'm like, I, uh, it's, a, it's a shot in the dark, you know? And uh, so I, I wanted to have like the confidence and the decisiveness that they had. And um, so it kind of started me on this, on this trajectory. And then, you know, I think there's like a little bit of an expectation of kind of this, uh, in, even outside of the fire service, but a lot of people, they kind of like, oh, you'll, you'll, you'll bump into something you're passionate about. And that does happen sometimes for people. But I think what makes, what makes you passionate about something more often than not, in my experience, is not like this love at first sight, like I, I fell into it, but more like, I just started twisting the Rubik's cube and I just, I just started with something and I just started twisting it and I just started working and just started grinding. And all of a sudden I popped my head up for air and I'm like, Whoa, I love this. Right. And that's kind of how engine company stuff started for me. And uh, man, it's just, it's gritty, dirty work, um, which I, I really love. You're the, you know, the, the tip of the spear that a lot of, you know, people draw attention to the fact that, you know, the fire goes, the first line goes. And, um, you know, when I was, when I was growing up, like as an athlete and stuff, I always pride myself in being the, like, if the game's on the line and one guy's got a shot or, you know, one guy's got to do one thing to, to make a play or whatever, uh, I wanted to be that guy because I wanted to either deal with the, um, you know, keeping a level head with the success or shouldering the burden of the failure, like either one of those two extremes, uh, you know, I wanted, I wanted to take that shot, right. And, and then live with the results afterwards. And uh, I, I think that going into the fire service being, you know, the guy on the nozzle is like, essentially, you're what makes or breaks more often than not every fire. So I, I want that I want to be that guy, I want to be the shot taker. I like the, how you how you kind of describe that slow burn that that I can resonate with. Um, when you came in, you know, when I think of of great engine company instructors now, I think of a lot of West Coast instructors. Did you have really good engine company instructors when you came on the job, or was that something that wasn't there and then you sought out and that's kind of what led you down that rabbit hole? Um. I would say I had really great fire behavior instructors and uh, I had really great truck company instructors, really great fire behavior instructors, engine company operations in my area were, were really lacking uh, knowing what I know now. And, um, but having fantastic truck company instructors kind of, showed me um that you can have a really dialed in system and it, like it showed me the level of excellence that you can actually achieve uh in in skill acquisition within the fire service and so i i had that and i was like okay well the you know the engine side of things like we're 
we're not anywhere close to as dialed in and sophisticated as some of these, you know, guys are in the truck company. Um, and it was just kind of a flavor of the time. I think, you know, truck company operations were, were really big in this area. And, um, you know, the department that I work for, I grew up in the fire service in this county and um, it's kind of like the, one of the, it's, it's the, like the old, it's the, the old part of the county. Right. And so it, it burns with a pretty good rate. So a lot of our old guys that were like really dialed in truckmen were coming, you know, came from the Everett fire department and they were really good and they were really experienced and stuff like that. I was like, okay, well, why isn't the engine side as good? Um, and then the fire behavior stuff, I, I, my roots and the fire behavior training that I got from the get go were, I mean, uh, world-class. Like I had some phenomenal talent right here, just teaching and pouring into me every single, every single time I was out there. And I, I didn't realize it because I'm not well-traveled looking back. I'm like, man, what a beautiful foundation. Well, then I start kind of developing into uh, really pursuing engine company stuff. And for engine company stuff specifically, I had to, I don't want to say go out of the area because I had, uh, but go out of my, my county and kind of per, go down the road. I've got fields right in my backyard here. Um, you know, hop over on a, you know, take a ferry, a 20 minute ferry over to see Aaron and go have coffee with him and let him just, you know, bombard me with mind blowing information. I got the Corrigans right here. I got, uh, I mean, it's incredible the the talent that we have up in this region and you know those are just some of like the more well-known names but then you get to some of the folks that a lot of people don't know it's like there are so many hidden gems up here i it's it's nuts man i could name drop all day long it's impressive that even as a new student when you're talking about how you had amazing fire behavior amazing truck company operations that you were as a new student able to kind of see that there was there was missing components to the system for engine company operations because i know when i'm when i'm new at something i'm completely oblivious you know people ask me how my my fire instruction was when i came out i'm like it was good and then i look back at it five years later ten years later i was like oh maybe it wasn't quite as good as i thought it was initially so as we're all painfully aware passion and motivation are not ubiquitous in the fire service at times even the most engaged brothers and sisters uh, we can feel that passion kind of ebbing. Do you have any advice or tips to our listeners on how to stay motivated during our valleys and kind of throughout our careers? Mm. <clears throat> yeah, so th this is kind of a kind of a big subject, and I, and I think it's worthwhile. I think it's worth kind of pulling on the thread. A um, couple of different things, and I'm going to go on a probably a couple different rabbit trails so forgive me but uh so so one of them is to right out of the gate you, you have to understand I, I think like there's a beginning and a middle and an end of your career like you're going to go through these these different phases and um kind of to be conscious about the phase that you're in and and what uh you know ways to keep yourself conditioned and in the game and all that kind of stuff you know physically mentally uh at those different stages of your career like it you know i'm in the, the middle of my what i would classify as the middle of my career and so being in the middle of of my career um you know there's there's some people 
that I'm going to be um, mentoring down to. And there's some people that are going to be mentoring down to me um, and to pursue those relationships, uh, you know, and, and try to uh, just try to try to maximize them for what they're worth, uh, you know, both from for me and for them. Uh, because they, they go both ways. Like if somebody's mentoring down to you, they have to like process through what they're trying to tell you. So it makes them better in mentoring down to you. And, you know, and same thing, like if I, if somebody's, you know, mentorship, like it's, it, it, it's beneficial both ways. Right. Um, so another thing is be conscious of the capital that you have. So stay mission focused and be conscious of the capital that you have, especially within your own organization. Um, you talking about political or social capital? Yeah. Like you can call it, yeah, you can call it political or social, you know, or, or just like your, you know, your leadership capital. Right. And your ability to have influence and have say, because it's not unlimited, right. Nor should it be. Uh, nobody should be unlimited and you've got to kind of be, you've got to be conscious about, um, you know, it's like the, what is it? The, uh, the love, is it the, the love piggy bank, right? Like if you, if you, you got to make sure you, you keep the love piggy bank full, uh, right. You're not going into a deficit in the piggy bank in your, in your, uh, you know, in your marriage and all that kind of stuff. The same thing at work. Like you, you can talk yourself and, and, thump your chest into a position where you're no longer listened to within your department, right? Which is a recipe for burnout because who wants to work in a place where you've thumped your chest so much that nobody wants to listen to you and your white noise, right? And that's not to say don't take a stand on anything. It's stay mission focused. Like for me, I view myself as a, I'm a cog in the wheel at the Everett Fire Department. I'm, you know, personnel number 360, uh, the department's been around since 1892. I am one of many firefighters to work for the city of Everett, and I'm honored to be a cog in the wheel. And it, if I can positively affect the department 1% or whatever, you know, move the ball five yards downfield, uh, you know, I'm going to do as much as I can without burning myself out and without burning bridges to the and. I want to preface it by saying like there is a time and a place to like take a stand and it might burn some bridges, but you have to be very thoughtful and intentional and considerate about, is this that time? Is this that place? Right? So I think that kind of helps with career longevity because for me, I want to, I want to know like what I'm doing is effective, right? On the fire ground and in the firehouse and within my organization, and if I'm not effective, it, it messes with me. I don't, I don't like that. And if I feel like I'm dead in the water, then now I have problems, right? So you, I've got to be con constantly aware of how I'm coming across and the, the, you know, the, uh, the battles that I'm choosing to fight and how I'm choosing to fight those battles. If I'm just a one-man army that's out there just like, charge, uh, it's really easy to tune that guy out. But if that one man, you know, change agent is able to infect two people, three people, four people, and now you've got four people or six people or however many people like charge, that's a lot harder to tune out than one guy who's the face of all, you know, you, like one guy will be the face of 
all the complaints. The, this department, we need to do this with our halyards and this with our hoses and this with our nozzles and this with you, know, boom, 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 right? And what you come across as the guy who just always has problems with the way that we do things, right? So triage it, pick your most, not that the other things aren't important, but maybe recruit somebody else to go and take up one of those other battles that, that, that you know, I'm going to focus on this one. You focus on that one. I'll help you out behind the scenes, but I can't be the face of that. I like what you're saying there. The kind of that emotional intelligence and having that, that, you know, 30 year perspective. I think too often we kind of get, you know, what's the flavor of the day and is this the hill I'm going to die on? And if you try to die on every single hill or you're willing to die on every single hill, you're exactly right. You take all your, your capital away and you start banging on the chief's door and he rolls his eyes before you even walk in the room and he's shut down. Yeah. 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 All right, Jay. So obviously uh, the, the three of us and, and hopefully most of the fire service like going to fires. Um, when, what are you thinking about? Or what are you telling yourself on the way to a fire? And then uh, additionally, on top of that, when you're on the end of the nozzle, what are you telling yourself about, you know, what, what's your thought process? Mm. Um, okay. So a couple things on this, I'm really big on visualization. Uh, it, it was something that was, I had a, uh, football coach back in the day that was really big on it. And, um, I think he was probably a little bit ahead of his time. Uh, because it's one of those things that's kind of coming into uh, come it, it's kind of coming in the mainstream a little bit more in like the sports psychology and whatnot um, and, and some of the the uh, like mental performance stuff but uh, visualization is really important and that and that happens like day to day you know if I if I'm thinking about something you uh, you know, or I, or I see something like I see a, I don't know, like a YouTube video or something of guys going on fire. Right. I, uh, you know, read somebody's comment online or something like that. Right. And, and I just kind of like try to visualize uh, and take a mental rep really quick of, uh, you know, of kind of my system and what I would see and hear and feel and all that kind of, so visualization is, is one of the things that I do ahead of time, not, not necessarily on the way there as much when I'm actually going to the fire. Um, this might be a little bit different than some people, but what, what I do is I say, um, so first thing you get, get my breath under control on the way there. Um, you know, cause I'm busting into the rig and, and, you know, making sure I'm all, I got all this stuff I got to make sure is in the right spot and everything. And I'm sitting in the back and I can't see and you know, all that kind of stuff. So, uh, first things first is breath, get the breath work uh, down. And, you know, that's make sure I'm breathing horizontal, uh, not chest breathing, not vertical breathing, like just nice, slow, um, you know, long exhales, really make sure that I'm calming myself down. Uh, and, and the next thing is I tell myself, I, I actually like think this, uh, don't fixate on the outcome. And, and that's kind of, I think maybe a little bit when, when I say it out loud, it's like, oh man, I, you know, you're going to a fire, like there's people stuff burning and there's lives at stake and all that kind of stuff. You know, like, what do you mean? Don't fixate on the outcome. Well, fixating on the outcome. I think it like you zoom 
way too far out and it can become overwhelming. And it's a good recipe to like amp yourself up and kind of get caught off guard a little bit because you're, 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 there's so much external, you're, you're entering an environment where there's so much like external stimulus that you, you, the best thing that you can do is to just bring it all back down. And the, the thing that makes me able to do that confident in my ability to do that is I'm confident and I'm, I'm like, I'm confident in my preparation that I put in ahead of time. Right. Like if I wasn't preparing beforehand, I wouldn't be able to like, you know, your, your body knows, right. You know how much you've prepared. And, and, but like, I know I've done a, a lot of prep work beforehand. My head's in the game, training all the time. Like I'm learning as much as I can. And yeah, I don't know it all, but I'm prepping like a mad. Right. And so it gives me confidence to be able to say when I, when I'm on my way there, of like, don't focus on the outcome, just stay in the moment, keep your breath slow. Uh, uh, make sure that I, the other thing I tell myself is to listen, right? Because that's one of the things that goes right out of the gate is you, you stop hearing things. So listen, stay in the moment, don't fixate on the outcome. And, and with those three things, I think it allows me, I have found it makes me reach uh, kind of that flow state a little bit when I'm on the fire ground. And I've noticed a huge difference when I focus on, on that kind of self-talk on the way to the fire ground. When I do that, it, I, I'll get to the fire and it's like you're, you're kind of in that flow state of like, I just, I just kind of know what to do and I go do it. Right. Um, it, I feel a lot more like confident. I just feel a lot more like stress-free and I'm just like, I know my job. I know what I got to do. Let's go. I know what I'm seeing and I know what I got to do about it. Right. When I don't do that and I like allow myself to fixate on possible outcomes, that's where my brain starts to go like, Oh, what about this? What about this? Uh, you're right. You kind of start to, um, you know, lose sight of the present moment and the decision right in front of you. With your talk, I think you said a lot there, and that was uh, something that I don't think we focus on enough. But with your talk of of belly breathing, focusing on the process, not the outcome, uh, active yeah. listening, and, and self talk, it reminded me a lot of that famous famous General Mattis quote um, that says, "The most important six inches on the battlefield is between your ears." Yeah. How how important is psychology? Uh, even ideology and mental attitude in becoming a high performer. Is that something we're not focusing on enough? Yeah, I, I, I really, man, it's something that I felt like the fire service was really lacking for, for quite a while. Um, and, you know, I can't like plug these guys enough, but I, I've been in the uh, Jason Bresler, the leadership under fires, um, one of their programs and they're really I think kind of the, one of the forefronts of, of diving into a lot of the stuff and, and making it applicable yes making it applicable to the fire service and bringing to light the kind of the fire service's need for you know the the mental performance and focusing on human factors and, and um, so to kind of to answer your question yeah, man. Early on in, in my career, I remember this guy, uh, one of my, one of my most respected captains that I've ever worked for. 
he uh i told him when he when he uh when he dies i'm gonna put on his tombstone his famous uh famous slogan was don't big deal this let's not big deal this right and he'd say that all the time and it's not it doesn't mean i don't care about this call right it doesn't mean that it's and he is like the coolest ice in his veins like dude i have been on some crazy stuff with this guy and you like cannot shake him right and not only that but his performance is like the dude is in his mid fifties now. He's about ready to leave in the next year or two. And uh, I, I mean, he is like, you know, he's built like Adonis. Like he is hard to keep up with, right? Like he is everything I wish I was as a firefighter. And that whole mindset of like, let's not big deal this. Like I, you know, you start diving into the bits and pieces of like, and he would say, I'm big dealing this right now just by doing this. But uh, I've always been the kind of the guy the kid like oh jay the sky's blue well why is it blue like i gotta dive into it to know why right and i think the psychology behind it is if you big deal it and you allow it to become a big deal to you in the moment like it is a big deal but if you allow it to become a big deal in the moment you can get overwhelmed by by that big deal and and then you're not doing anybody any good and you're you're doing yourself a disservice and you're you're actually putting like a uh kind of a cap on all of this stuff that you've been working on to like, I've been working on this skill and that skill and, and I'm really dialed and then I'm going to go and show up in the moment that I need to use it the most. And I'm going to botch it because my head space is right. You know, and, it kind of reminds me. So that kind of reminds me of, of that kind of performance arousal curve and kind of getting uh, on the right side of that or on the back side of that. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I think it's really important because of that. And because it's really hard to simulate. It's really hard to simulate in training. What we experience mentally, physiologically, all that kind of stuff on the, on the fire ground. Right. And, and so to neglect that side, because that's a dynamic, like you're progressively building as you, as you train, you know, you're, you first, you do it. And when you, when you, when you train people, you do it slow and then you do it at speed and then you do it at speed under fatigue and then you do it at speed under fatigue and with pressure, right? Like that's the progression. And so that pressure side of things, it's got like a, it's a, you know, a sliding scale. There's the pressure you're able to generate on the, on the training ground. And then there's like people hanging off of balconies and a couple floors on fire in a wood frame apartment, you're like, you know, the first in nozzleman, right? Like that's pressure. What changed, you know, like obviously it's real. Well, it ratcheted up and you're, you're in another world of stress, right? So to like take that and, and kind of give it its due that we do need to focus on the, the mental psychological side it also allows you to trace things back to the root cause a little bit better, um, which I think the fire service really struggles with. We'll say like, well, I've never needed to, you know, shoulder load hose or, well, I've never needed to do this. Or, well, I've never needed to do that. Like, how do, how do you know? How do you know that? Right. The yeah. fact that you're saying that right now is, it is, uh, you know, very telling to me, the fact that you're just relying on pure anecdotal evidence uh, you know, like, look, we're not, we're not being, we're attaching too much emotion here and we're not, uh, tracing things back to their root causes and then, you know, deconstructing them and then, and then figuring out a way to improve those processes. And I think, you know, that 
focusing on the, the psychological part of it is definitely a big component to that. <clears throat> All right. I, I've been pretty blessed to, to meet you in person uh, to, uh, you know, help with your logistics and stuff uh, when you came out to, uh, to, to my conference out here. And then also to, you know, uh, be with you and Nick on, on a few webinars and, and even some upcoming ones. What I've noticed about you is you, you pay a lot of attention to, to the small things like the, the details. So uh, it, it, it's not just the broad, you know, wet stuff on the red stuff, you know, and then, and then you're done. So I guess what my question is here is <clears throat> why do you feel it's so important to be in a never ending pursuit of excellence? <clears throat> Um, so that, that one, so as far as like, why is it important to be in a never ending pursuit of excellence? So, uh, one of the reasons is because I clearly, I clearly defined like my personal mission, uh, with, within my uh, kind of my, my head for like my, you know, what, what is Jay Bonifield's mission at the Everett Fire Department? And, um, <clears throat> you know, essentially like my mission is to come in and continue on the legacy and be the cog in the wheel and try to move that, move that needle 1% uh, and be that, that cog in the wheel that is going to like pick up and carry on the legacy of a lot of the guys before me that have earned, you know, a, a fantastic reputation uh, uh, for being a, like a very aggressive, very dialed in fire department, right? And so like, I want to, I want to be, I don't want to let that legacy down, right? And um, I want to make sure that my generation coming in to the, to the Everett Fire Department is set up to be able to pick up that torch and, and continue driving it forward. So uh, on top of that, I'm a, I'm a father and I'm a husband and like my, my kids, my kids are watching me, right? They're listening to me, but even more so they're watching me. And, um, I don't, I don't take that lightly and I want my kids to be, to find something that they're going to work at and then become passionate about. And, um, I want them to watch me do that with, with, you know, essentially what I'm passionate about, which is, you know, that, uh, being a, a, uh, pipeman with the Everett fire department, like I want them to see me doing that and how I attack it from all sorts of different levels from like a humility aspect of seeking knowledge and seeking critique and criticism. I want them to like, see me take all that. I want them to see me, you know, working out day in and day out so that I can make sure that I make it to the end of my career and, and uh, I'm highly effective at, the, you know, uh, all the way to the end. Like, I want them to see not just dad go off to work and come home uh, and, you know, and mention a couple of things here or there. Like, I want them to see me be passionate about, about this thing and about, you know, even more importantly, like being their, being their dad and loving their mom. So, um, yeah, I, I think that's kind of, you know, and then as far as like being detail oriented, um, that goes back to being an athlete, uh, the film room and the weight room were like instilled in me at a very early age. And when I got into the fire service, um, 
I, I, I was kind of taught growing up, like what you can control, you know, you can control your time in the weight room and your effectiveness in the weight room and you, and your conditioning and whatnot. And you can control the amount of film you study and the, you know, the rest of it, like the, the results are going to bear out from, from there. And, uh, you know, that's all part of the, you know, it's part of the process. And then that, that outcome, uh, is the result of the process. And so, um, then when I got in the fire service, you know, and, um, there's varying levels of instruction. There's some that are fantastic and they do a good job of being detail oriented and then distilling those details down to more simple and applicable concepts that you can take and use on the fire ground. Um, and I came in and I started seeking people that do that well, like Aaron, like Scott and, uh, and others. And, uh, you know, so like I try to make sure that I maintain a detail oriented mindset. Uh, one of my biggest pet peeves is to, um, kind of leave things at, at, uh, just to say like cliche, like leave things at, well, it's conditions dependent. Well, it's, uh, staffing dependent. I, I hate bookending things like that because I need, to, if I'm listening to you and you tell me, well, it's conditions dependent. My next question is what conditions are, is this dependent on? right? Like I want to, I, you have to tell me a detail that I can take and use on a fire tomorrow. If you just leave it with, well, it's conditions and staffing dependent. Oh, you can tell me a lot of different stuff before that. And you basically just nullified almost everything that you told me because I, I'm looking to you as the instructor to tell me what conditions, like what specifically is this dependent on? What am I going to see here and feel? And what do I specifically do with it? Like, tell me what to do right now, go. And then I can take that action and, and I can like mentally chew on that and be like, okay, I see this situation is like this one. So I'm going to do like, that gives me something that I can apply, you know, over, you know, probably a more broad set of scenarios as well. But it gives me a, a clear picture as opposed to just like a general idea. So that's kind of why I'm, I'm pretty nuts about the details. Yeah, I like a lot of what you said in there again. Um, that's a tough one too, because I think we can all agree on, on let's focus on engine company operations here. I think we can all agree that conditions and resources are definitely in the mix. So are you saying that when you, when you teach this stuff and when you, train on, when you train this stuff, are you saying, do you try to simplify it so that they know exactly, all right, here's when I'm going to do a push and here's when I'm going to do a hit and move um, or, or insert um, different techniques there. But do you get into the weeds and tell them specifically like, all right, I'm going to do this every time unless this is going on. And then I move down to here. So here's my A, here's my B, here's my C almost. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, it, and the reason being is that uh, I, and I don't take this lightly, like teaching, teaching something within the fire service is a immense privilege. It is an enormous privilege and um, it is an enormous, like it, it, it's got a lot of weight when you really think about it because you are, you you are like responsible uh, when you're, when you're taking the time to like teach something to somebody um, you are, you know, in a roundabout way responsible for their reaction to a potentially like life or death environment, right? 
for whether it's for them or for you know somebody with within that structure um you're like you're dealing with something so when when i'm teaching somebody like i want to give you something that when you show up and you're stressed and you're anxious and you're everything else that happens when you pull up to a you know a couple couple windows blowing fire in your face um i want you to be able to use what i like to react right that's that's what i'm going for is i i want you to be able to, to react think. in this way to not think right if i load you up with a bunch of considerations and a bunch of options and a bunch of variables you're not going to use any of what i said or very little of what i said so the solution right? to that complexity is simplicity is that a fair statement yes absolutely absolutely and that you know there's a quote about uh you know in the beginner's mind there's many possibilities in the experts there's few right Speaking and it's so true for, yeah that's so true for the fire services i i want i want for myself and this comes from from my learning journey right was this is what i wanted and now i want to turn around and pass this on to people is i don't want a bunch of options and considerations i want What's the best thing that I can do now? Stick my foot in the ground, go, right? And I want to be effective. I want to be maximum. I want to have maximum effectiveness in, the, in that plan A uh, because I'm not capable. I'm, I consider myself, you know, average intelligence. I'm not capable of processing all of those external outputs and everything that's that that i'm showing up to like that massive amount of stim you know uh uh mental stimulation that i'm showing up to on the fire ground like i can't take that all in and then make a i i'm reacting based on things that i'm confident in in uh like i'm i'm reacting with actions that i'm confident in right and so if i teach that way like here's what you do in this situation right and it's confident and it's here's why and i'll get into the detail of why but it always distills down to this you know simple solution to this problem read react go uh then you're going to show up on the fire ground if, you know and you're going to be able to stick your foot in the ground and drive forward with conviction as opposed to assess and get you know uh paralysis by analysis i really like that read react go uh i like that besides when I think of you, kind of besides being my, my Flobo, um, one of the first things I think about is your expert use of video to, to illustrate ideas and demonstrate techniques. You kind of alluded to you did that quite a bit um, in football back in the day. When you're watching something on video, specifically uh, for this uh, discussion, some type of engine company operations, whether it's something that you put together or someone else's training or an actual fire ground, what are some of the specific things that you're looking for when you watch that video? Uh, yeah, so film study is just phenomenally important. Uh, and so visualization, like I was talking about, a visualization is very, uh, very important. And to be able to take that, that video footage and I, and especially like thermal imaging stuff. I mean, that, that's really what, um, you know, myself and the, the other guys that are, um, you know, put this stuff out from West Coast fire training. Like that's where, where that stemmed from was all of us kind of sitting there over beers and being like, you know, man, if, 
uh, oh, you get, you get in, you know, discussions at work over coffee, you know, around the, around the kitchen table with guys and, and they're like, Oh, well, this wouldn't work or blah, blah, blah. This is, you know, garbage. And you're like, dude, if I just had a video to show this guy, like it would just shut, you know, shut the whole conversation down. Right. Or what, whatever. And, uh, but there, there's just very limited, uh, amounts of that stuff around. And, and a lot of stuff that, that was, you know, right, wrong, or otherwise, it was like, you know, guys are, are using it in their, in their, um, in their classes and you've got to like go and take their class in order to uh to see it but then that doesn't help me with the guy back chirping at the we call it the green table at work uh but that doesn't help me with back at the back at the green table you know because that guy's not gonna be able to watch his video so i was like well let's just start freaking recording this stuff and and editing it with our crude tech skills and just put it out there and and you know for free as much as we can and make sure people have access to this stuff uh, and, and so that's really where it started. And then, you know, kind of started doing like film breakdowns from it because it's one thing to just take a video and like you watch a video, like, okay, yeah, that was a, that was a cool video. Uh, but to be able to actually break that down into, uh, you know, things that I can, I can pull out of it, I think is a, a, a skill that is worth acquiring and it's, it's very valuable. And, where it starts first off is you have to have done that skill enough to be able to kind of like feel it through the video, if that makes sense. Like when I watch somebody flowing, I, and I see them kind of like, you know, jockeying around all uncomfortably or something, you know, or whatever, like I've done that enough to know what they're feeling. And if you can get to that level, that's just reps, right? That's a reps thing. And then you couple it with the video footage, then you're able to, you, you're able to like see it and like almost feel it at the same time. You're like, ah, I, I see what he's doing. Like, boom, got it, locked it down. And then when you go out there, um, it, it's just like that much more cemented in your, in your psyche, like the, you know, elbow flaring out or taking too big a steps or this or that or the, whatever. And you just kind of get used to, uh, to almost like feeling that as you're watching it. Um, it, you know, in the live fire environment, another benefit is you're in there for the rep and you, you watched it, you felt it, you heard it, all that kind of stuff. And then you see it on footage and you're able to like take what is on the camera and what you experience anecdotally and couple them together for a complete picture, right? Instead of just one or the other. Nice, nice. All right. Um, what, what do you think that we as the American Fire Service are doing right? And then what are we not doing right? Hmm. Uh, what are we doing right? So, uh, well, I think one of the things that we're doing right is there is a, there, there's been like an incredible kind of engine renaissance and an incredible search renaissance, I think. And, and the search, I think the search renaissance is like, it's maybe at the front end of it. It's just kind of starting out. Uh, the, the engine renaissance has been, you know, been around a little bit and it's a little bit more sustained. But I think that the fact that those two like uh, domains are really starting to become rise to the top as, as the um, 
like the two most kind of critical paramount things that we do is, is just uh oh hold on one second my daughter just uh yeah so the the kind of the engine company re renaissance and the the search uh renaissance the, the the two of those together kind of rises to the top i think is just it's right it's what needs to happen uh and the more down the rabbit hole that i go about how to complement the the search and how to enhance the search efforts like with my abilities as a as a nozzleman the more that I just, it really helps solidify my purpose. Like if I can be clear about my mission, uh, you know, I've, you've got like your broad mission on the fire ground and like try to distill down on, on a house fire, an apartment fire, you know, any, any kind of residential fire, like I'm going, I'm going into that fire with the mindset as an Osman of like, I'm going to win. It's a given. I'm going to win this fight with my nozzle. Like it, that's, that's a foregone conclusion. The question is, can I do it in a way that gets this building searched more effectively, more efficiently, right? Is, is what I'm doing as a nozzleman going to enhance search efforts. And I think looking at it through that lens for me has been enormously helpful because we, we get in these kind of, you know, debates that you can get in all these debates about how to put the fire out and all this kind of stuff. Like, dude, you can put a fire out a lot of different ways, but you can't necessarily put the fire out in a lot of different ways that enhance the search, right? That get hands in the hands and eyes of firefighters inside the building as fast as possible and get lift and get clarity and all that kind of stuff. Like there's a lot of things that we do as a, that I can do as an Osman that are going to benefit uh, the guys and gals that are going to be searching within that building. So, um, and, and then building our operations around the, the fire attack and search. So I think that's one thing that we're, we're doing right. Um, you know, doing wrong. Um, you know, it, it, it's tough to speak for the fire service broadly uh just because i'm not i'm not well traveled i'm kind of a hermit up here in the pnw so um it, you know i get i guess from from my perspective i i think you know on, on top of maybe not focusing on uh some of the stuff like i was mentioning earlier with the uh you know the the human performance kind of the human factors behind uh the the fire ground and how our human factors affect us i think maybe one of the things that we're we're doing wrong would be um i think that we're too real we're too willing to settle at oh it's a oh it's another tool for a toolbox or uh you know be non-committal about stuff i i think that we're a little bit too willing to settle there and you know maybe a little bit like lazy intellectually to to not take a subject or take a train of thought all the way through to um to the best of our ability you know it's not like we can you know go like deep and existential on everything but um i i think we're too willing to just take a take a a train of thought or a subject uh you, you know what whatever you name it uh whatever skill 
you're talking about or tactic or something like that. And we're too willing to just kind of say, you know, and maybe, maybe out of trying to be non-confrontational, you know, uh, just say, well, it's another tool for the toolbox or, or, or whatever. Uh, instead of like taking the effort and the work and the time to, to really take that thought all the way through and see like, well, is it a tool? And if it is a tool, then where does it specifically apply to? Like, uh, you know, and coming, I was a mechanic before I got the fire service and that's, I kind of always bring that analogy back. Why I hate it so much is, um, you know, I had a lot of tools. Like I, the shop that I worked in, I bought a lot of tools to this day. I still have all those tools. My garage is filled with a lot of tools. Uh, and I offload and get rid of a lot of tools that I don't use anymore. Um, and each tool has their specific job, right? It's got a specific scope and, and for a job, there is such thing as like the best tool for that job, right? There's a, there's like Scott Corgan refers to hierarchies all the time, right? And I do, I do firmly believe that more often than not in the fire service, there is hierarchies. There's the best thing to do. There's the next best thing to do and so on and so forth. And I, I think we're just shortchanging ourselves when we don't, when we don't take a thought all the way through to establish a hierarchy and you can change your hierarchy. Like I've changed a lot of stuff and I'm going to change a lot of stuff just because I say, this is the best thing to do right now. That doesn't mean that's that, you know, 10 years from now, I'm still going to think that's the best, right? That's the beauty of, of learning and being humble. But right now I need to establish what the best thing to do is for that situation. So that when I encounter it, I'm not, I'm not inundated by all of these options. I yeah, know that was great. I, I, I really like it how you talked about, uh, you know, it being the generation of, of the engine and, and of the search. I mean, probably pretty close to when you and I came in, you know, it was kind of in that like writ generation yeah. and then, and then uh, you know, uh, door control slash flow path slash air tracks. If you go all the way back to James Braidwood, you know, like that always reappears every, you know, two to five years. And, you know, right now we're basically on year five or six of the engine, you know, people actually giving a shit about the engine and, and diving into it, you know, and, and luckily Nick and I are, you know, part of the, the rescue survey and, and, and us seeing the search, you know, being a huge part of this generation, you know, we, we hope that, you know, it just continues down this, this great path of having recognition and, and people wanting to be better and, and seeing more of it. So I, I really liked how you laid that out there. Yeah. And man, I, I just can't like, obviously what, what you guys are doing is just phenomenal. I mean, much needed, long time coming, uh, you know, and, and uh, you know, Brian Brush with his uh, practicum that he's working on right now. And I, I mean, there's just so much like movement. that's just, it's just beautiful where, where the direction that we're pointed in, in, um, in that area. And I think, you know, as somebody who like, you know, like I've referenced a couple of times, I'm a big fan of like clearly identifying my mission and then, and, and then, you know, driving towards that uh, to be able to have like, engine company and, and search um, really rise to the top I think is a like the big picture within the fire service is it it's like it's a it's a righteous it's a kind of like a righteous example of what our mission is 
right? And every fire department across, it doesn't matter if you have truck companies, it doesn't matter if, you know, what your staffing is, it doesn't matter any of that stuff. Like you're going to, you're going to, you know, search and put the fire out, right? Like that's what we do. That's what the fire service is here for. So, you, you know, and, and writ and all that kind of stuff. Like, you know, when you, when you and I came in, that was the, the flavor of the day was, was writ stuff. And, and again, found in good intention, but is it, is it the mission, right? The mission is fire attack and search. Yeah, it's funny how like the two most fundamental things that we do are kind of where we're at right now. It's funny how we're not always there. We're not always focused on, on putting the fire out or killing fire and saving people. Like that's, that's as basic as it gets for us. And it's funny how that's, that's never not been where our priorities have lied. And more importantly, I think, was kind of you talking about the coordination piece and working those together. And so instead of divorcing those, like let's, let's marry those and figure out how they work in concert with each other. I'm gonna have to go back and listen to that last question again, because I, I printed, appreciated the front end about what we're doing correctly or what we're doing good. But I think there was a lot to mine in what you said about maybe some of the stuff that we're not doing quite as well. And I want to go back and listen to that again. Um, another kind of one of these 30,000 foot view questions, like if you had a crystal ball and could see into the future, what would fire service training and learning look like in 10 or 20 years? Hmm. <clears throat> so if I could see into the future or, you're, sorry, was the question if I could see into the future? Yeah, or what, yeah like what I do you think do? is going to happen? Or if you want to take it as what you would want to happen. I mean, the pitch is coming. You not, you hit it however you want, baby. <laughs> Swing and a miss. Uh, <laughs> walk off, go to the dugout, drink some beer. Uh, well, shoot, man, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, what I think is going to happen. I, I really hope – so it, it, when you look outside of our industry and you look into some of the uh, – like this, uh, this group that I pay a lot of attention to, it's called the Mission Critical Teams Institute. And, golly, they have a podcast that is phenomenal. Uh, if you have not listened to their uh, – it's Dr. Press and, Dr. Press and Klein – and a guy named Coleman Ruiz, who's a, 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 he's a former SEAL. And they formed this, this Mission Critical Teams Institute. And um, so they basically what they define as a mission critical team is a, uh, a, a team of, uh, I think it's three to 12-ish people um, working in a situation that requires decisions to be made in, Five hundred or three hundred seconds. It's one of one of those. I I forget. I should probably should have looked it up before I reference them. But anyways, it's a uh, basically the the number of seconds is the theoretical amount of time that your brain can go without oxygen, right? And so that's kind of what they're referencing. They're like fire service and police and uh, you know military and and uh, trauma surgeons, like all of these different domains where we're you know we're making decisions that impact life and death right is, is kind of the, the gist of it and uh 
it gives you a lot of exposure into the trajectory of some of these different fields that are, you know, kind of have in common. They're, they're, they're tethered in the fact that we're, we're dealing with life and death situations. And, um, you know, you, you look at the trajectory of these other industries and it's really, they're really honing into, uh, a lot of sports psychology, a lot of, um, just very intentional methods of training, of recruitment, of training, of processing what they call residue throughout your career, um, you know, it, which leads to career longevity, right? Like they, the way that they look at, uh, the, and there's a, a lot of like peer-reviewed research behind this of, you know, career longevity, like the way that they look at in like trauma, what we would call trauma, like you know, uh, post-traumatic post -traumatic stress, all that kind of stuff. We, we call it trauma in, in the fire service. And the way that they're like advocating to look at it is it's, is it's residue. It's like, it's lived experience, right? It's not that you're, uh, you're not a, a victim, right? Like you're not looking at it through the lens of I'm a victim of these experiences. Like, no, you are, you lived this experience and how you process that. Like you have some ability uh, to, to process that you have some say in how you process it. Right. It's like, and so anyways, kind of tying it back to this question, the, these other industries are working towards how they train people and how they look at, uh, at these, these, their careers from a holistic standpoint right? Like mind, body, and soul. It's, it's holistic. And I think the, the fire service were still kind of caught down deep down in this. Um, oh, you know, like the, the, you get your firefighter one checkoff sheets and you, you do your checkoff sheets and boom, you're cast off into the fire service and you start, you know, wherever you go is, it, it's kind of up to chance from there. Right. And a lot of, in a lot of cases. And, um, man, there's just so much room for, for improvement and for, uh, for us to give people a better leg up in their careers from a holistic standpoint, uh, which is going to increase their, their skill in each one of those domains. Like if you feel, if you feel good, you're going to play good, right? Talk about tracing everything back to the root causes. Like if I want to make Nick you know, the, 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 the most dialed in nozzleman, like part of being the most dialed in nozzleman out there is you got to feel good, right? And feeling good, there's a lot that goes into feel good. So if I can get you feeling good, then I can get you playing good, right? It's, and if you're, if you're not feeling good, there's a pretty good chance you're not going to play good. That was awesome. So we got one more question, but before we get to that, um, we got to do a little bit of a shameless plug here. Um, so you, you are also one of the uh, creators, founders, founders of this. Uh, so pretty excited to be able to help you out with it. But uh, us, Fire Nuggets, we're doing uh, something that's called the Left Coast Engine Fest. We're doing it in uh, the middle of October, 13th to the 17th. Um, stacked lineup. We got uh, Nozzle Forward, Brothers in Battle is uh, doing two classes. They're going to do their Beyond the Pre-Connect and they're going to do the DIY Engine. And this is kind of like a, like a round robin, like you can just kind of pick whatever the hell you want and then, you know, just kind of make your own schedule. Uh, West Coast Fire Training, they're sold out already. Uh, Nozzle Forward's nearly sold out already. 
We got Steve Robertson, Ray McCormick. They're coming out with Stretching for Success. Uh, Jonathan Brumley, Daryl Liggins, uh, Jonah Smith. Uh, they're going to do two and a half inch class. Uh, Dennis Laguerre, Kyle Romagus and company. They're going to do a uh, master streams class. Uh, did, I, did I miss anybody, Jay? Master streams, uh, DIY, two and a half. That's, that's it. It's, it's uh, an engine gold mine, man. I, I agree. <clears throat> yeah, those lineups are just ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, if we if we miss anybody, I, I apologize it's because of the just the the sheer amount of of uh, craziness that's going to be up here. It's it's going to be a blast. I went back and looked. We we have them all, <laughs> so we we didn't miss anybody. Um, so so yeah, so. If, if you're interested, uh, once, once you hear about this, uh, go to firenuggets.com, kind of scroll down the page, and you'll find Left Coast Engine Fest along with the rest of our classes that we're doing. Um, six different training sites, uh, countless engines, and thousands upon thousands upon thousands of feet of hose. And big shout out to Elkhart Brass, who already jumped on board for sponsoring it with all of our equipment needs. Awesome. Um, and then to kind of close us out, man, Three, three questions. Uh, favorite conference, favorite class, favorite book? Uh, favorite conference so far uh, has been the, uh, uh, so far it's been the uh, Portland Firemanship Conference. Uh, favorite class so far? Boy, that's a tough one. Mm. leadership under fire might be my favorite class of all time so far it's not a, it's not a, like that that one's not hands-on i think my like my favorite hands-on class uh boy that one's a tough one too Yeah, man, I, I don't know if I could pick my favorite hands-on class. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with uh, leader leadership under fire has been my my favorite class uh, so far. And then what was the third question? Favorite book. My favorite book. <sighs> uh, man, Gates of Fire. Gates of Fire was a phenomenal book. Um. Stephen Pressfield about the Spartan culture in the Battle of Thermopylae. That one was amazing. Like one of the, yeah, that one might be the best book I've ever read. Uh, there was another book, uh, a, a book about like a historical book on pirates that I read. I think it was uh, If a Pirate I Would Be was the title of it. That was, that was fantastic as well. Uh, and then Uh, and man, the, the talent code is like as far as the educational book, the talent code is pretty dialed in. Those are those are kind of sorry. That's there's three. That's all right, man. Yeah, tell us what's the talent code about. I haven't heard of that one. Uh, so or who wrote it? Code, or Daniel Coyle. 
Yeah. And, uh, dude, that, that book is pretty, if you're involved in, you know, instructing and, and skill acquisition, I think that one's a, a must read, a must read. Absolutely. Um, goes, it's just how people learn. And it basically it's Daniel Coyle wrote the book on, on how people learn. Uh, Oh, a fighter's mind. That's, that's right up there with talent code. So the, between those two books, if you want like to deep dive into skill acquisition, uh, the fighter's mind, man, there was this quote that popped up the other day from, from that one. Uh, Randy Couture was talking about coaching wrestling and he was like, Hey, uh, I told, I told this kid who was a, who was a really good wrestler and he's wrestling like high level. He's in the championship. He's like cruising. Right. And he's, and, uh, so I started telling this kid because he's, he's in the lead. I start telling him, don't do this. Don't do this. You know, watch stuff ahead. Like, don't do, you know, don't get taken down. Right. I tell him, don't get taken down. Don't get that hook. And he starts telling him what not to do. And, and the kid ends up kind of getting, getting psyched out. He ends up losing. Right. And Randy's like, instead of what I should have done was tell him what to do based on what got him there right? Like he's been cruising. He's been crushing people. Like stay on the gas, man. Keep doing this, keep doing this. Right. And it, and it, it builds his confidence in it. And it, uh, you know, allows him to depend on those, those abilities that got him to there. Like when you're in the heat of the moment, that's when your preparation pays off. And he was obviously well-prepared, but then his coaching was like, Hey, don't do this. And there's a saying, um, uh, where you look is where you go. Right. And like if you're kayaking a river or something like that, if you look at the rocks, you're heading towards the rocks, right? Where you look, or if you're looking for a boogeyman, you're going to see a boogeyman. If you're, if you're looking, if you're, if you're, if you're coaching somebody and you're telling them, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, that's what they're going to do. Right. So you, you, you focus on that, that kind of positive reinforcement of do this. Yeah. Keep going. Yeah. Keep going. Right. And they feed off of that. So anyways, phenomenal books. I love how you couldn't pick one book or two books or three books, but we got four. I think that's awesome. That, that's right up my alley right there. That, that last one, that fighter's mind and the Randy Couture story, it reminds me of a couple things popped into my head right away when you said that. One of them was like, go into a fire. I've been the guy in my head who's like, don't mess this up. Don't mess this up. Or don't mess up the stretch or don't mess up the force. And invariably, I don't do nearly as good as I could have. Yeah, um, and it, it reminds me of kind of the prevent defense when it comes to football and your whole yeah, plan yeah. is like, don't give up a big play. Don't give up a big play. And they just give up 20 yards, 20 yards, 20 yards, 20 yards. And before you know it, three plays later, when the offense hasn't moved the ball all game, now they just move the ball 80 yards in three plays. Um, and That's then lastly, it, yeah. it kind of reminded me, and I don't know what this says about me as a dad, but how I talk to my kids, because half well over half the stuff out of my mouth is don't do that stop doing that quiet down go do this and it's not it's not nearly as positive as it probably could be so that's uh i probably need to look into that and and become a better dad oh you and me both brother <laughs> i think uh i think we we definitely mined a lot of nuggets nuggets tonight and uh, i just want to say thank you so much for your time jay we all really appreciate it, and uh, and hopefully our listeners enjoy it as well. So thank you again, man. Yeah, uh, the the pleasure's mine, and 
and uh yeah man i i feel feel blessed anytime i can well hang out with you guys you know and and uh you guys you guys make it easy obviously having having good buddies that are easy to talk to doing this stuff but also just you know blessed to be able to uh do anything with with fire nuggets fire nuggets had such a huge impact on my career and and what i'm what I am now, I owe a lot of that to um, the the free and open sharing of information with Fire Nuggets and the uh, the the connections that I've made, um, you know, formally and informally, or just reading people's articles, the old Fire Nuggets forums, all that kind of stuff. So I, uh, I'm I'm a lifer, man. I'm I'm for this this organization. Well, I think Fire Nuggets thanks you for all your your articles and classes and, and everything else you've done for, for us as well. So thank you, man. Yeah, my, my pleasure. <laughs>